Welcome to Copyright Clearance Center's podcast series. I'm Christopher Keneally for Velocity of Content. It's Friday, January 6th, 2023. Today, as we do each week, we check in with Publishers Weekly for news from the world of books and publishing. Andrew Albanese, PW Senior Writer, joins me today from New York City. Welcome back to the program, Andrew, as we start 2023. Hey there. Happy New Year to you, Chris. And the Happy New Year right back. And as the new year does begin, I want you to offer your thoughts and expectations for the stories we will be following over the next 12 months. A good place to start is with book sales. Yeah. So, you know, let's dust off the crystal ball and put a few things out there. And I think sales trends are a great place to start because let's face it, whatever happens with sales, whether they rise in 2023 or drop or stay flat, <laughs> it's going to be a story. So you know, before we peek ahead, I think it's probably useful to sort of glance back at the 2022 holiday season, which actually doesn't look too bad. Now, the holidays, as we discussed before uh, in November of last year, the holiday season got off to a bit of a sluggish start. But things did sort of round into shape, and they were actually boosted this year by an extra Saturday of sales before Christmas. Christmas was, of course, on a Sunday, and sales for the week that ended December 25th were actually up by 10% over 2021. So thank you to our last minute weekend shoppers. And overall for 2022, we were predicting the industry sales would slide by about 6% in 2022 compared to 2021. And given where we are with holiday sales right now, what we know about holiday sales right now, that actually appears to be right about where we're going to land, though we won't actually see some good final numbers for a little while. And it sounds funny, but being down 6% is actually good news. And you know, you might ask yourself, when is a 6% annual sales drop good news? Well, of course, that's when it comes in comparison to the previous year's unheard of, what was it, 11, 13% increase in sales. You know, I, I think we can't forget that publishing is a, a mature business. We usually, if we're lucky, see growth of maybe 1% to 3%. That's what we, we've come to expect over the years. Uh, but as we noted over the last year, the industry managed to somehow stuff about a decade's worth of growth into the last two years. Uh, but you know, given the pandemic and the extraordinary circumstances of the last two years, the question for all of last year was how much of that stellar growth would we have to give back? And the fact that we only gave back about 5 or 6% of the 2021 margin still leaves the industry with growth rates that were well above what we were used to before 2020. And given the economic and logistical challenges of 2022, just have to shout out the publishing industry. And that was a, simply a terrific performance. And what is your prediction for 2023 on book sales, Andrew? Up, down, sideways? Yes, it's a tough one. I mean, 2022 was easy to predict, at least. I'll give it that, right? No one really believed that the industry was going to be able to match the pace of sales in 2021. But as we look ahead to 2023, as, as I look ahead to 2023, how those sales might compare to what was kind of a soft 2022, at least compared to 21, well, you know, there's a lot to consider. For one, you know, in 2022, we really didn't have any blockbusters on the adult trade side, you know, except for our Colleen Hoover, thank God. So the question I have is, are there going to be any big books on tap for 2023 that could really juice the numbers? And I just don't know yet. But here's what I am keeping an eye on. First, there's still a lot of uncertainty in the economy and in the supply chain. And though I think publishers have gotten much, much better, they have a handle on managing the uncertainty in the supply chain 
it's still uncertainty. You know, have we really fully ironed out the printing and the paper supply? Will consumers have enough disposable income to buy books in 2023? Is inflation finally going to ease off? You know, all of these, I think, are going to be really key for book sales in 2023. Uh, a couple other things that I'm keeping my eye on is digital audio. For for a decade now, the digital audio market has surged, and that has now become real money for publishers. Audio used to be, of course, this sort of small sub-market, rather tiny sub-market, actually. And it's really big now. It's huge. And that growth has really contributed to publishers' bottom lines. But while we're still seeing strong sales and growth in digital audio, that market has matured. And those gaudy growth rates that we've gotten used to seeing over the last decade are coming down. And they're naturally going to come down uh, as the sector matures. And that, in turn, is really going to impact growth rates overall for publishers. And of course, there's more big questions, two more big questions for me in terms of you know what people are reading. Perhaps I think the best news from the last two years is that fiction sales, which had been in decline for years, really turned around and showed strong growth. Perhaps the pandemic gave people uh, more time to read or to rediscover their love of reading. And then you add to that, like in the previous years, the politics books, at least in the wake of the Trump years, were really big sellers. And you really had a recipe, I think, for the kind of growth that the industry has been seeing. But what we're going to start to see now is whether the industry created new readers, created new customers over the last few years, or just sold more to existing customers or to their, quote, power readers. You know, I think it's crucial for the industry to create and serve new customers, as it is, of course, for any industry. But with books, I think it's especially important because in 2023, as more people get back into their normal lives, they go back to the offices, go back to schools, and time and money are going to start to tighten up. Uh, there's going to be more demand for time and money. The things that might have driven growth for the publishing industry during the pandemic are going to be under pressure. So in 2023, I think we're at least going to start to get a real sense of whether the book industry's little golden era of sales, I like to call it, well, whether that was a flash in the pan or a meaningful jump to a new sustainable level. And, you know, I wish I had a prediction on that, but I really don't. But, you know, maybe check back with me in March or April. Editors, designers, and other staff and publishers are responsible for producing those books that end up on store shelves and online shopping sites. Andrew, the most recent PW salary survey has now arrived. What does it show about working conditions? Yeah, so this is the first time in three years, you know, first time since the pandemic, I believe, that we did our annual salary survey. And I think its findings were pretty unsurprising for the most part. And perhaps in some cases, a little disappointing. Pay was up modestly since our last survey in 2019, but it's fair to say that publishing remains a, a very low-paying industry, as it really you know, always has been. You know, my starting salary, for reference, as an editorial assistant in, in 1989 was $13,400 a year in New York City. Uh, I think the good news is that starting salary levels have come up a little from that, but you know the cost of living has simply swamped it. And you know there are a few things that I'll really be watching in 2023 with you know starting with you know our publishing workers going to be coming back to the office. You know we've heard all kinds of policies and ideas and policies floated and new things that were being implemented and we're starting to hear a few new policies for the new year, but it's really hard to tell what the future of the publishing workplace is going to look like. And, you know, I think it probably can't look like what it looked like before the pandemic, but we're really not sure what it's going to look like in 2023 or after that, to be quite honest. 
And I think workers are in a tough spot. You know, it needs to be said that the last few years were very stressful for publishing workers. You know, we discussed, you know, throughout 2022 and 2021, really, supply chain issues and the like. And it was really an intense period. And all that growth that publishers saw during the pandemic was really made possible by the outstanding workers who didn't make much money, were worried about getting sick, and were really fearful for their job security. And those fears really appear to be borne out as we're already starting to see layoffs and hearing talk of layoffs as the post-pandemic economy really starts to hit. So, you know, talk about a head-snapping place for already low-paid publishing workers to be in. We've gone from record sales and huge profits over the last two years to talk of layoffs in one quarter. So tough spot there. Also, I think the salary survey revealed that despite all the talk of diversity initiatives, we're seeing very little impact on the industry, which is still, you know, according to our numbers, about 83% white. Now, we've seen some advances in title diversity. There's some advances in how people feel like the industry is starting to change a little bit. But it must be said that the publishing workplace is still changing very, very slowly. And this is probably a good place to bring up the HarperCollins strike, which started in November. And what's notable about the HarperCollins uh, union being on strike is that, yes, the union wants a fair contract with more security and better wages, things that all unions want for their employees. But a key point is also that publishing workers want more progress on these issues of diversity. What we see in this strike is really sort of a brave stand by publishing workers at HarperCollins, who I think are making a pretty strong statement that we need more change, we need a faster pace of change in the book business, and that we need it now. Unfortunately, that message does not appear to be getting much traction with HarperCollins management, who I'm t apparently have refused to come to the table to negotiate. I don't have much to report on that or much to say on it at this point, but I will say that it's very difficult to see how this job action ends anytime soon, given the circumstances in the market at the moment. But it's a major story that could certainly linger well into 2023. And, you know, I, I could just say at this point that well, I think we're all holding out hope that the two sides can eventually come together, uh, HarperCollins Union and its management, and they can write an ending that's going to have a, a positive impact not only for both parties, but for the publishing workplace in general. In a few weeks, Andrew, you're heading to New Orleans for the American Library Association's LibLearn X meeting. How will in-person publishing events fare in 2023? I think that's a really important question. I, and I think it's kind of a big deal that I'm going to be, you know, heading to New Orleans in January for a meeting. Um, you know, LibLearn X is, of course, the, the successor to the ALA's now defunct midwinter meeting, which you know, LibLearnX has gotten off to a bit of a bumpy start, I think it's fair to say. It was supposed to debut in its in-person form in San Antonio, Texas last year, but it was forced to go virtual uh, in the midst of the Omicron surge. And apparently the policies in the state of Texas uh, were an issue as well. They sort of forbade mask and vaccine mandates and just ALA didn't feel safe having the meeting there. So it went virtual only. The good news there, of course, is that ALA has gotten really good at doing these virtual shows and that LibLearnX was sort of envisioned from the start as a hybrid show. And it's also really interesting because ALA began rethinking its midwinter meeting, you know, before the pandemic and they wanted to make it more virtual. So they were kind of ahead of the curve on this. But the pandemic has really sort of made things a moving target. And we may never really know how the purest vision of ALA membership and changing the ALA midwinter meeting to this new thing may have worked or may have evolved because the pandemic just, you know, it changes so many things in terms of safety, in terms of economics, in terms of the workplace and how people view shows. 
So all that's to say that I'm really looking forward to seeing exactly what comes off on the ground in January for Libler next in New Orleans. And at the same time, I think what we're seeing too is that there really is value and power in having in-person conferences. Uh, the ALA conference, for example, returned last year. It was in Washington, D.C. in 2022, and it was a little smaller, but I think it exceeded a lot of people's expectations. And you know, more broadly, in 2022, we saw publishing conferences try to get back to some semblance of normal Frankfurt, London, Bologna, Sharjah. Uh, my impression is that the major corporate publishers would be happy to scale back from where these conferences were in previous eras, that there's really no appetite for the return of a book expo, for example, which doesn't really mean that we won't see a return to book expo at some point. But I think the publishers are have moved on from the idea of like a big booth show here in New York City. But, you know, publishers who really are not eager to get back to these big publishing conferences, I must I have to say, I think that's short sighted. You know, look, these events are important because they build community, right? They offer exposure and they give us all a few days a year when the media pays attention. And I think that's all crucial stuff, even if it doesn't seem like it to the people who are writing the checks, the accountants, even if it doesn't seem like it in the wake of the pandemic, because the fact is you never know when you're going to need your community, all of your community. And I'll give you one example. In 2021 and 2022, the rise of book banning and censorship in the U.S., something we've talked about a lot on this program. I think you really have to wonder if this book banning movement would be as threatening today, or if we might have been able to push back more effectively, if we as an industry have been actually getting together multiple times a year. Uh, maybe we would have been able to get more media attention to what was going on. Maybe we all would have been able to talk to one another and understand what's going on. Maybe we would have been able to form a stronger, more valid response earlier on. Uh, you know, we at Publishers Weekly, of course, have the U.S. Book Show. We'll be back with that this year. That's been a successful online program. I think it's going to be great again this year. But look, the value of having these book business events may be obscured on the balance sheet of some of these major corporations. But the value is there, I assure you. The problem is you just don't know it until you really need it. Uh, and in terms of Libler Next back in New Orleans, I'll just come back to that just a second. I'm really looking forward to it. And there's some very big library stories took place in 2022 they are going to carry over in 2023. And we can talk about those in future weeks on this show, uh, maybe when I get back from the conference. But I'll just say this. you know, I think that show, Libler Next, in January in New Orleans is going to offer a glimpse of what 2023 holds for in-person publishing conferences. Uh, I'm also looking to London in April. And then the one I've really got circled on my calendar is the ALA annual conference in June. I think those shows are going to offer us a real clue as to what the future of publishing conferences are going to be just in time for Frankfurt in October. And with that, my crystal ball is already getting cloudy. All right. Well, Andrew Albanese, Publishers Weekly Senior Writer, thanks so much for joining me on the program today. And we look forward to having you with us throughout 2023. My pleasure, as always. Coming up on Velocity of Content, thinking is uniquely human. Thinking requires no instructions for any of us. Yet author and internet philosopher Tom Chatfield believes we can be trained to think for ourselves more effectively, even when so many voices on the web are telling us differently. I think the digital age is profoundly important because of the enormous resources we have at our fingertips. And I guess one of the most obvious things it does is it gives us options to find information at very high speed, but also tremendous seductions and temptations. On the positive side, and it's a huge positive, these same 
resources give us access to a diversity of others' perspectives and to a diversity of perspectives through which we can triangulate and push back against our own limitations. How to Think, next on CCC's podcast series. That's all for now. Our producer is Jeremy Brisky of Burst Marketing. You can subscribe to the program wherever you go for podcasts, and please do follow us on Twitter and on Facebook. You can also find Velocity of Content on YouTube as part of the Copyright Clearance Center channel. I'm Christopher Keneally. Thanks for listening. Thank you.